With New Zealand's uh, worst ever results in the OECD's PISA tests, high truancy rates and National's coalition agreements, the new education minister certainly has her work cut out for her. The government has signalled a number of changes to education. They range from banning cell phones and improving literacy and numeracy rates to restoring balance in the Aotearoa history curriculum. Education Minister Erica Stanford is on the line. Kia ora, good morning. Good morning, Kia ora, how are you? Very well, yeah, big big shopping list there. What's your top priority? Well, my top priority is my target of getting 80% of kids to curriculum by the time they finish intermediate uh, and to make sure that we are embedding the science of learning in everything that we do, including the curriculum, pedagogy, and how we're assessing kids' uh, progress through the curriculum. So will there be changes? Will there be a version of national standards, uh, hopefully an improved version, given there were some problems with that, wasn't there, come, that comes back so that you can make that assessment? I, I guess so. Look, I, I've never really gone back and looked. I mean, I have. I've gone back and looked at the, the issues we had with uh, national standards and learned from our mistakes in the past with, with the intent of not to repeat those again. I don't think of what we're doing at the moment as being a version of national standards. Um, it is best practice. We're just making sure that we have an, a clear uh, knowledge-based curriculum that lays out the core content knowledge that must be taught every year. Uh, evidence-based pedagogy, so how, how we teach mathematics and how we teach reading, uh, with consistent uh, monitoring progress throughout the school year. Now, some people will look at that and go, oh, how is it similar or dissimilar to, to national standards? What we're doing is looking at what works and making sure that we're embedding that, but also learning some of those problems that we had in the past. The issue of literacy and numeracy, so you've got your one hour and, uh, that, that you want that sort of, I guess that sort of through mm. the, the education system as a basic sort of principle, one hour a day. But you've, of course, you've got from 2026, students won't get their NCEA certificate without that basic numeracy and literacy. Are you continuing with that? Is that going to progress? I've been taking advice on that, and my view is that for a long time we have been graduating young people with NCA qualifications who don't have the required levels of literacy and numeracy. And I even think the pre- I know that the previous government realised that as well, which is why we do need to indicate that across the curricula at, at high school, we do need to be focusing on literacy and numeracy. Having a prerequisite uh, on its own right now is troublesome because those kids have been uh, uh, you know, behind the curriculum where they should be for many, many years right through primary and intermediate. And so asking high schools to undertake a monumental task, and someone described to me over the weekend as asking someone to run a 100-metre race starting on the 200-metre line is a tall order. So there's a couple of things here. We need to start all of this in primary and intermediate, embedding the knowledge-based curriculum, the correct pedagogy, and assessing children throughout. So, so you're journey. saying it could be a delay because those because the current cohort no. in secondary school it will be unfair on them to say you well, don't get your NCEA if you haven't got literacy and numeracy. Well, the second the second part of what I was going to say was we need to make sure that uh, in the short term, while we are ensuring that kids are being caught up at or young people are being caught up at. Uh, both secondary and primary, we have to make sure there's a second pathway for a short period of time so that we're not disadvantaging those young people uh, you know, with them potentially coming out with, without a qualification. So at the moment, there is a dual pathway in place for two years. You can either sit the prerequisite test, for want to be the word, it's a test, uh, and get your literacy and numeracy that way, or you can pick certain standards within the curriculum. 
uh, at high school and get your literacy and numeracy that way. So there is a dual pathway that's in place that the government had to put in place when they quickly realised that only half of our kids are going to be passing those literacy and numeracy exams. Now, the advice that I'm taking at the moment is how long do we keep that dual pathway in place to ensure that we're not disadvantaging those students who have come through a whole system uh, behind where they should be. Sure. So that's the advice I'm taking at the moment. The last government I see announced a pretty major change to special education and, and special needs funding and the way in which it was to be rolled out so that more students would get that. Are you able to commit to that? Because that presumably, I'm not sure if there'd been a lot of money allocated to that yet. No, and that's, uh, that's a, a, an upcoming briefing that we've got. I haven't had it yet, but it's, it's coming. One of the things I said in, on the campaign trail was my intention to remove back-end waste and bloat and shift that to the front end. And one of the areas that I am very concerned about is learning support because every school I go into in every part of the country, it doesn't matter which equity level, doesn't matter where it is, uh, have always said to me the issue that we have is learning support and there aren't enough resources. And so the job for me is going through line by line uh, and working out how we shift that resource to the front end. And as you know, Nicola Willis has said anything I find in education is to stay in education. Right, so, so that signal you're signalling if there's going to be cuts in education, it's not going to be at special needs area. That's, if anything, you're going to boost that. Well, that, that's my intention, is how do, we, how do we meet front end need? by reducing back-end waste. Mm. Uh, it's all about front-end delivery. Couple of other, couple of other quick things. Um, this idea in the coalition agreement about restoring balance to the Aotearoa New Zealand Histories curriculum, what does that mean, restoring balance? Does that mean less focus on the new curriculum, which had a renewed focus on New Zealand's history and, uh, you know, Māori history? But one of the things we've found with all of the curriculum, which is why we've said we are going to be rewriting the curriculum, is that there are, are gaps everywhere. We are starting, and I am starting immediately, with literacy and numeracy uh, to make sure that those gaps are filled in, that we're very clear on what should be taught and when. When we look at the history curriculum, oh, I find the same problems in history as I'm finding in literacy and numeracy, that it's vague, that there are not clear expectations of progress outcomes year by year. They don't exist. But is so the balance... Does the, so, so sorry to interrupt, because we're short of time. Does the balance not refer to subject matter? Well, it does, but it's a bit of both. My focus at the moment is on making sure that there are clear progress outcomes year by year. It doesn't exist in the history curriculum, which is a huge burden on our teachers. So that's something that I'm going to be focused on. But look, as I said, our priority right now is literacy and numeracy. And the last thing that I need to be doing right now on a sector that is, has been under huge amounts of strain through COVID and after uh, is add more burden onto them with more curriculum changes. So we're going to stick to the same uh, timetable that we've got with literacy and numeracy, and we will take a look at history after that, but it is not a priority. Right? Okay. And just finally, the issue of charter schools. I think what worries some people in the sector is, is, it, is this the thin end, of the, weird, thin end of the wedge? Is it going to mean a proliferation of charter schools in future, which undermines the overall state system? Or are we just talking about some specialist schools dealing with specialist issues? Well, from our experience last time, it was uh, you know, specialist schools dealing with specialist issues. However, there may be some uh, state schools that wish to uh, turn into, into charter schools or convert into charter schools, uh, get together with other, with other similar-minded schools uh, and you know, into sort of like what they've got in the United, United Kingdom with academies. Um, I think that the main, my main uh, purpose in all of this is to ensure that kids who don't 
fit into our uh, state system have got somewhere else to go, some other choice. And we saw that with uh, the charter schools in the past. And I've got an excellent example of one in my electorate, Vanguard. Those kids, they sure. were... You know, but but, I, but I'm curious, is how many kids. are we talking here? Are we talking hundreds, dozens? No. What do you imagine? What would be success down the track? Look, I think in, the, in, in our first three years, if we've got you know a dozen up and running, that will that, for me that will be success. But look, it's going to depend. We haven't had detailed discussions yet with our coalition partners over how we're going to be uh, uh, doing this and at what speed. There's a lot of work, mm. a lot of legislation that needs to be passed in the meantime. So. Yep, lots on your plate. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the discussion this morning. That is the Education Minister, Erica Stanford there.